What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every week on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hi, my name is Michael O'Fay and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Marsha O'Fay, every week to discuss the intersection of minimalism and veganism in addition to weekly recipes and articles, all of which you can find on our website, theminimalistvegan.com. This week, we're talking about the brand of veganism. And and look, I'm just going to come out and say it. There's definitely a stigma when it comes to veganism. Now, we're a bit out of touch. We've been vegan for quite some time now, but we still see bits and pieces of, of it in interactions, particularly online with throwaway comments and bullying and things of that nature. And I think we just wanted to discuss this stigma and how it's creating a barrier to people who want to become vegan or aspiring for this lifestyle. So it's a pretty thorough conversation. Uh, We get into quite a lot of detail into what some of the hangups are and, and what we can do to overcome this branding of veganism and this is applicable to both vegans and non-vegans alike in this episode so sit back enjoy the conversation and i'll check in to fill in any gaps after hi guys thanks for tuning in we're really excited to be here again another week we're a little bit late but better late than never exactly yes So today we're going to be talking about, are you comfortable calling yourself vegan? And this conversation or this topic, I guess, was influenced by a conversation I had with one of my friends that works in marketing and PR uh, that I met up with her maybe two, three months ago. And until that point, I hadn't really thought about how veganism is portrayed even just to my friends and people around me, like yeah. what, the, how they see the movement. And so I thought that it would be an interesting topic for us to actually discuss on the podcast and just break down the reasons and why people are struggling to call themselves vegans and what we can do to help make that transition more approachable for others Yeah, and kind of break down some of those walls of what, it might look like from the outside to people and also talk about the realities of being vegan. Mm. You know, there's some hard truths in there as well that can help better prepare yourself for being a vegan. Mm. So to kick it off, do you want to share a few, there's a few different names, I guess, alternatives to how, what you can call yourself if you don't want to use the term vegan or what we've heard people call themselves in the past yeah and i think this this applies to individuals and we're seeing it a lot with brands as well having to be really thoughtful Mm. as to how they position themselves and who they're trying to reach yeah because unfortunately as we'll discuss later on there can be a bit of a stigma with the terminology vegan yeah so we're hearing a lot more people talk about being plant-based or flexitarian a reducitarian, which is a new one. What is that? Uh, just They're came... just reducing their meat, dairy, and egg Correct. intake, right? Yeah, yeah, reducitarian. So, uh, I think that, that that's someone who just decided to throw that out there last year. Um, and then the most common one is probably just to say nothing at all. Mm. You know, so being so uncomfortable with, I suppose, this, perhaps a better way to put it is not wanting to deal with the reaction yeah. Uh, avoiding. Mm. 
hmm. uh, is to probably just say nothing at all. So hmm. I think those are some common alternatives to actually using the word vegan to describe, you know, your philosophy of lifestyle. Mm. And w- even like just real talk for a minute, we've discussed, you know, our brand is called the Minimalist Vegan. And we've talked like we've been doing this now, the Minimalist Vegan for five years. And we've talked in the past about the way that we chose to call our brand and how some people might be put off by just because of how direct it is. And like, it's very transparent. There's no ifs or ums about it. If we are vegan or if we are minimalist or, you know, like we stand for our lifestyle straight up. Yeah. And, you know, I I do choose to use the word plant-based just because sometimes using the word vegan can be a little bit repetitive with how I describe things. Sure. Um, But it's interesting that I sometimes feel that to be more approachable, not having the word vegan in our title would be better. Mm. But at the same time, I also feel strongly about standing my ground and representing what I'm about from the get-go so that there is no ifs or ums about it. Yeah, and I suppose for those who do identify or are more comfortable with the word vegan and minimalism would be even more attracted to the brand. Hmm. Um, but it, it's the reality is it's that's quite a small yeah. uh, portion of the population, right? Or if it's polarizing enough for people to go, oh, wow, that's really interesting, like I'm... I don't feel like I belong to either of those two lifestyles, yep. but I'm really intrigued by it Yes, and I want to learn more Yes, and yep. I feel that it's something that I can comfortably invite or be positive about into my life. So I guess when people do use the word vegan, like, you know, from our experience as well, yeah. like what are some of the emotions that we're getting from people? Well, I think describing or identifying yourself as a vegan can cause irritation to a lot of people. Mm. And I don't think this is very common in person when you meet somebody mm. as a genuine, like a general reaction, but it's more so what I observe online, yeah, on social media, on YouTube, news outlets, comments and blog posts. I think there's this... Yeah, irritable nature. This this the annoyance, word, annoyance. The keyboard wor- warrior yeah, step up. Yeah, exactly and, right. Yeah. It's um, there's definitely like oh, this whole oh, there go those vegans again. That type of mentality. Yeah, and I think there's definitely a defensiveness mm. that it brings up, and this looks different in many different contexts. But the way that I've experienced it is normally in this sort of. As soon as I tell somebody that I'm vegan, it. You know, we we start going down this li- this list of justifications as to why they consume animal products, um, or I've seen as well. And without you even saying or inviting that conversation yeah. in, they just straight away go, "Oh, well, I can't be vegan," or oh, "I am pretty much vegan." Like I spoke to a gentleman yesterday, and he said, oh, "I'm pretty much vegan. I just eat a bit of fish and chicken every now and then, but I'm pretty much vegan." Yep. And I didn't say anything to that, but it's just like people feel like they need to justify their actions, but they're also very intrigued by it too. Yeah, for sure. In the defensiveness as well, there's the 
what I've seen is that people can put each other down. Mm. So some people react with humor or putting others down when they're defensive. Yeah. Uh, it's just a natural reaction to mm. that type of confrontation. And like, you know, you, you hear these really popular jokes amongst the vegan and non-vegan community of, you know, there's one that I found that says, you know, how do you recognize a vegan at a dinner party? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Mm. Yeah, there's things like that um, to make a bit of fun and a bit of... I suppose people just do that to sort of... Poke fun. Poke fun and take something that's quite serious and lighten it up and, and sort of dismiss it. But at the same time, it's it's kind of true. <laughs> like you're more, more likely, especially <laughs> yeah. at a dinner table, when you're eating, if someone's not eating, if there's meat and dairy on the table it'll be obvious that they're the vegan. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it opens up a conversation. And yeah. I know that every time we eat in a public place or with family and friends and stuff and we have it, they're not aware that we're vegan or they do but we haven't had that discussion with them, it's a point of conversation. Yeah, it feels inevitable, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it, it, without question it's going to come up at some mm. point. So, yeah, I think there's truth to that. Yeah, you're, you're right. There's truth to that joke. <laughs> yeah, there is. And then again, in terms of that nature, there's there can also be a lot of awkwardness around it. Yes. Um, and people, if, you know, if you do say that you're vegan, they quickly try, try and change the conversation because they just don't know what to say or they just feel uncomfortable about the whole situation mm. because they feel like they're being judged for not being vegan or for the choices that they're making or they're literally just putting a piece of meat into their mouth as you're talking about veganism. Like, it can get quite awkward. Yeah, and I think it's it's awkward as well because I think people don't want to cause discomfort to others and they're yeah. trying to be polite yeah. and respectful. Yeah. And it so they're like, what do I do? Can I just do I if I eat Can this, I eat if I eat this am I disrespecting this person? And yeah. like, you know, so I think it actually comes from a really positive place. Yeah. But it's like, what do I do socially in that situation? Like, I know that there's people that won't eat meat in front of me out of respect. Or if they do, they feel really embarrassed about it. Even if it's dairy, like they just feel uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. There you go. So typically... It's just this whole, like, I'll just hide in my corner. Like, I remember at one of my previous jobs, they would never openly sh share their, like, lunch with me or, like, you know, show me what they have for lunch. They'd always be poking around seeing what I have, but they would never wow. openly, like, they'll go and hide in a corner to eat their food because they almost feel ashamed that they brought chicken or something to work when I'm around. That's hilarious. It's um so it's, it's interesting. Like somebody, it's like somebody having a smoke. It's like, oh yeah. Sorry. Do, you, do you mind if I just it's okay, yeah. I, I, do you mind if I just light up right here? Yeah. So do you, do, you, do you mind if I just have this sausage roll or this this piece of cheese? Sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's in it's really interesting to see people's reactions, but I think I haven't had that same experience, I can't say. Yeah. Well I think, you, you haven't in your previous jobs, people feel awkward no, well, to because, eat something in because, front of you. Because, you know, I'm part of larger teams and the majority are consuming animal products. Yeah. So that is normal and yeah. accepted in I that type of environment. I yeah, think if yeah. you work in a very small team, 
particularly in the teams that you've been in where it's like sort of around alternative health and different ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, a lot more of an openness to veganism and veganism and that type of community. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the self judgment or judgment to others is probably felt a little bit more than, than in the environment I've been in. Anyway. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it comes down to the company. Yeah. How people react. It comes down to your relationship with that person and yeah. who they are as a person. Yes. And how they perceive veganism before you even have that interaction with them. And I think that veganism as well is becoming more known. Like if we had the same conversation with people that we do today, five, six years ago when we were first becoming vegan, there would have been much less people that knew what veganism meant. Yep. Whereas there's more people now on a global level that understand what veganism is yep. just due to its increasing popularity and you know, the media and social media and all of that sort of stuff. Yep. So now we just wanted to transition into talking about the five reasons why people are struggling with veganism and calling themselves vegans out in the open or even just to themselves. Like they don't want to pigeonhole themselves with this particular term. So and, and could I just say quickly, like we, we kind of touched on this in the owning your identity episode, which I think was episode number 31. Yeah. But really, when you look at how that was positioned, we're looking at veganism as an identity from a sense of clarity in terms of what it is mm. versus minimalism, which comes with a lot more ambiguity. Yeah. Um, and this is more about how calling yourself vegan vegan has actually become a bit of a legitimate barrier yeah. to becoming vegan and encapsulating that whole lifestyle because of the stigma around it. Thanks for adding that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so... I guess to most people, and it used to be to me as well, veganism is seen or perceived as something that's extremist. And I used to think that way too. Yes. Like, especially if you are used to eating with every single meal, meat, dairy or eggs. Yep. And then to take those things out. And then on top of that, to add that layer of the lifestyle approach, it's not just food, it's you know, how you live your life and what you choose to support on yep. a global level that people think that it's extreme because as well, back in the day, they would then go to saying, well, we used to be hunter gatherers and, you know, all of these things in history to them would point to the fact that we should continue on the way that we are yeah, and that it would be extreme for us not to be that way. Yeah. So, and the term vegan was only first, I mean, when you look at a lot of different things in history, it was only coined in 1944 by a man called Donald Watson. Which wasn't that long ago. No. So, and I think I didn't even know veganism existed for majority of my life. Yeah. I guess for me, I was more aware of vegetarianism because my dad was a vegetarian my whole life and my mum was on and off as well. But I didn't realise that there was people that didn't eat dairy and eggs as well. Yeah. So we're talking only about 70 or 80 years ago, which is, that's under that's 10 nothing. decades ago. Like that's yeah. not nothing at all in the big scheme of things. And I think 
particularly in the 1940s, vegetarianism wasn't even that popular. Like, it wasn't even that well-known. So, this term of veganism was, at the time, perceived as extreme. Uh, And I can see how it's still perceived that way. I mean, we've talked recently about how we have limited access to internet at the moment, so we've been watching a lot more free-to-air television, Mm. satellite television, and we've been watching the cooking channel quite a lot. And 99% of the recipes contain animal products. Mm. So there's very, you know, every now and then there's like, oh, this meal can be made vegan. Mm. But there's never really exclusively any vegan dishes. So this has really helped us to get outside of our bubble to recognize just how rare it is to even see content at that public scale around veganism. So the moment that, you know, there's a dedicated cooking channel and free-to-air television that's probably going to be considered pretty extreme, right? Because mm. it's just it's just not normal. So, I've heard of vegetarian TV shows in the past, but they don't typically tend to stick around for too long. And if I do see vegetarian TV shows, I get super excited because it's like, yes, <laughs> it's going in the right direction. But well, it would be really fascinating to see how many people would tune in if there was just a purely vegan show that wasn't labeled as a vegan show well that's the thing right because there's that stigma though you know the the networks would have to be really creative and specific Mm. as to how it's positioned so um yeah and i can i can see how that would be off-putting seeing the vegan movement as something that's a extremist would be a barrier yeah right because the fact that you will then all of a sudden become a minority in your Mm. behavior Mm. could you know, put a target on your back, make you feel uncomfortable, isolated, all those other things that come with being extremists. So So in many ways, you have to have a lot of self-confidence. You have to have a lot of self-belief and belief in what you stand for. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you can be swayed easily, then it's just obviously you're not going to be vegan for too long. Yep. But I think it's important to understand why you're doing it before you start talking to other people so that you can feel more confident and stand your ground a bit easier because you will come across people that are going to be smart asses about it. Yeah, you're definitely going to come across people like that and, and that's all part of it, right? Mm. Um, of, any, of any type of movement or any, any type of lifestyle that is challenging the norm is going to create that type of response. The, which brings us to the next point and that, that is how veganism makes people think about the things that make them uncomfortable. So... There's a lot of really strong case studies, facts and figures about the impact of animal agriculture on the environment and global warming. Pretty confronting stuff. Yeah. There's also lots of really vivid footage uh, with animals being slaughtered and being mistreated and exploited floating around the internet and media, which is pretty confronting once again. Mm. So... It's these type of examples that naturally we want to avoid, you know, so we can enjoy our current lifestyle, lifestyle, right? Because people don't like to be uncomfortable and people don't like to change, especially when it's something so big. Like, let's be honest, becoming vegan is a big deal for if you're going straight from meat eating to not. Mm. So it's a massive jump 
to something that you know deep down inside is the right thing to do if you choose to go down that path. Yep. Um, but it makes people uncomfortable because they know this, but they don't they don't also want to do anything about it. Yeah, it's like this this acceptance that your behavior may be causing harm to environment, your health, animals, etc. And and I think that ties into the next point. I want to go back and forth between the two points about being uncomfortable and also resisting calling yourself a vegan because of how sometimes the media portrays angry vegans mm. um, or vegan activists. And this is understandable, right? Because in any sort of social justice group, there's always going to be this, the, the crazy people, right? Mm. Uh, who are going over the top for their cause and trying to promote their cause. At the same time, this positioning of militant vegans or aggressive vegans or angry activists is definitely something the media has tried to push to sort of dismiss the vegan movement. But And I think it's people also- are probably wanting to call themselves vegan less and less because they are scared that that's what they will be called. And yeah. they don't want to express how they feel because of that for sure for sure and like i personally don't share really i might every now and then one like once or twice a year share something on my personal facebook page about veganism but that's not even like that confronting because i don't want to be that person that's labeled as the extremist or the angry vegan or the militant vegan or the activist that has a chip on their shoulder or, you know, someone that that looks at the world in a negative way and tries to, to put down people for not being vegan. Yeah. Like I'm very well aware of that. But I think the media has made it, I think they're just making it harder for people to call themselves vegan and to do any type of activism to their friends, to their family or just voice their opinion for the untruths that are happening because they a don't want to lose friendships or B don't want to be labeled as something that they don't feel like they are. Yeah. And I think there's also this false expectation that if you become vegan or call yourself vegan, you need to act in that way. Yeah. Or you need to go and do protests or you need to go do something, which Mm. is, you know, if you feel comfortable doing that, that's, that's great, you know, but any activism can, can exist in many different ways. We've got an episode about that as well. Uh, Just by choosing stick- not to eat meat, dairy yeah. and eggs is a form of activism in itself. Absolutely. Just quietly. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, we do have an episode about that yeah, which talks about the stigma of animal activism. Mm. And I just remember having a realization in that episode. And, and thinking about like all the introverts that are part of these animal activist groups who really don't like confrontation and being around people, mm. but are doing it just because they're trying to do something, do what they can to remove the exploitation of animals. But they're also helping in different ways. Uh, you know, they might be running accounting or doing web design or just helping in any way they can design materials, posters uh, to participate. What I'm saying is that more often than not, these people are just super normal. Mm. Now, at the end of the day, it's just people. Mm. Vegans are just people. Mm. Just like people from different cultural backgrounds are just people. Yeah. Different sexes are just people. Mm. Um, and I think it's easy to start segregating everybody through the media 
Well, um, when they're called extremists, then this yeah. is the thing. Like, this is where you feel like you can't voice yourself because others will just label you as extremists and not even look into or think twice about what you're actually trying to say. Yeah. And look, put it and put it this way, though. It's understandable. Let's say that you have you're growing up in a city where there's no vegans, mm. but you're watching the media and you're learning your understanding of vegans is in the context of these angry vegans on the television. Yeah. In, in you know, stealing sheep and whatever they're doing. Right. That, those are your that's your perception. Yeah. Then you meet a vegan. Mm. For the first time. Yeah. Your only reference point... Point of contact or point of reference. Yeah, yeah is is what you saw in the media. Mm. So you might feel uncomfortable mm. uh, interacting with a vegan. Now... Or you're wondering, were you that person that was stealing that <laughs> sheep? Yeah. Or then let's say somebody um, sends you a resource. They send you a documentary or something, right? Mm. To, for you to learn about the environment, your health, animals, and you watch it and you've been quite influenced to maybe consider a vegan lifestyle. But you're, again, your only reference point is this betrayed idea of angry vegans, militant vegans. You're going to have a lot more resistance if you don't want to be perceived as that type of person. Yeah. So these are very, very real barriers mm. that are happening with this terminology yeah. and what it represents, like the brand of veganism. Mm. So, um, and, and the other one that I know really rubs people the wrong way to call themselves vegan, even just based on principle, is that veganism can come across as like self-righteous. Yeah. Like they're these purists that are just at a different level in like terms I'm of morality and, yeah. you know, all of this stuff. They've got egos and I think in some ways would prefer angry militant vegans than what you think you're better than me (laughs) because you're vegan um and and that can really rub people the wrong way you know there's a perception of smugness and arrogance and um just this aura of yeah i'm better than you that is just gets people really riled up so yes i can understand how that could be off-putting if that is your perception of Mm what it would be to be what it would mean to call yourself vegan it's like you're subscribing to that community Mm. and i think i guess it depends on who you are as a person that you might come across that way as well the person that's smug that's arrogant that feels or makes the other person feel like you're better than them that's a good point. You might have that level of self-awareness where you recognize that in yourself. Yeah. And if you were to then become vegan, the concoction, the, com- the, yeah, the, com- <laughs> the combination of that could be pretty terrifying for those around you. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that could be a realization. Yeah. And the last point that we wanted to make on this was that depending on maybe even the stage of life that you're at, you know, what age group you fall into, what kind of culture you're in, you know, whether you're in a farming community, whether you're in a, in a city, like there are, there are different barriers as to how you might think that people around you will see you if you say that you're vegan. So you might be scared of being bullied because you're different. And I, 
right now I'm putting myself in the shoes of a 10 to 15 year old boy Mm -hmm. in high school that's vegan Mm -hmm. and it's being bullied by the boys or by let's not be sexist by their peers Mm. because they're different. They don't eat what they eat. And again, it can come across as I'm better than you because I don't eat animals to them or they feel like they're being judged for eating animals. So, and I, in preparation for this podcast episode, I did a little bit of research and a few articles came up in, in particularly boys being bullied at that, in that age bracket mm. um, for being vegan and for standing up for themselves, you know, being told to go and eat grass, having meat sandwiches thrown in their faces, you know, it can be quite isolating because high school or just school in general is already difficult. Yeah. And like... Could you imagine dating? Like the the pressure of dating is like, oh, don't date so-and-so because they're vegan. Yeah. And then that spreads as a... um, mm. What's up? Gossip. So yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even think of the word. <laughs> yeah. And then there's gossip around this. Oh, no, he's the vegan person. He's a vegan. Don't stay. Like, like he's the hippie. He's, yeah, he's yeah. the weirdo. Yeah. Like he's... Yeah. Don't associate yourself with him. So I find that it can be quite isolating. I'm surprised you found that in your research just because I I just would have thought in this day and age, particularly that age bracket would have been a little bit more aware, I suppose. Of... Again, it depends on the community. Yeah, right. Like the ones, a couple that I was looking at, they were mainly in the farming communities. Right, right. And so where, you know, agriculture is a pretty much their livelihood. Like animal agriculture, yeah. Yeah. So they they would get bullied and it can be really isolating. And I'm even thinking for schools, because we don't have this in Australia, not that I'm aware of anyways, where you have, you know, you've got your lunch breaks and tea breaks and you get food provided by the school. Yep. So if you're in a school where you have no choice of what you're given as a meal and you're vegan and 90 to 100% of the food is not vegan, what are you going to do? You have to isolate yourself. You have to bring your own lunch or you have to, you know, get your parents to write into the school to say, you need to provide vegan options for my child. Mm. And then again, they'll get teased because they'll be eating things like vegetables that most other children won't, Mm. you know, at that age. I mean, I'm really generalizing here. But... Speaking of teenagers, they mainly eat. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know too many teenagers. Yeah, days. I don't either. Yeah. Um, so that that would be really difficult. Like I'm glad that I didn't go through that on top of everything else when I was in high school mm. because that would have just put an extra target on my back Yeah. when I already had a million. It's another thing to deal with, right? So yeah. – and. As much as as and, strongly and, and, as you stand for it, you almost want to give in just to feel like you can belong. Yeah, for sure. I was about to say that. It's like, well, is it worth it? Yeah. Is it worth like telling the world that I'm vegan? Mm. Or should I just go against my values mm. 
to to avoid the hassle that comes with it. And then even as a parent, like raising vegan children, having the parents of other children looking at you differently yeah, because they know that you're raising a vegan child, that can also be isolating and, and judgy. Yeah. Depending on, again, the environment that you're in. Yeah, and maybe then those... teachers, you know, teachers, some will strongly believe that a vegan diet is not healthy for a child and therefore you're singled out or isolated because of that reason. So there's so many different dynamics and different stages, you know, doctors taking your child to a doctor. They will probably, many of them would say they need to eat meat, dairy and eggs to be healthy. So it's... I can see how many barriers there would be to do what you feel is right for yeah, you and your family. Yeah, that's a good point. There could be a nervousness as a parent to sort of explain to your doctor. Yeah. Oh, so what have they been eating recently? Tell yeah. me about what's been going on. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, you know, we, we don't really eat meat or mm. dairy. Oh, okay. Interesting. You know, and, mm. you know, again, there's this more resistance, more... Mm obstacles in the like, way i find that when we take chewy to the vet i try and avoid this is our dog chewy mm, mm. he's vegan yep we when we take him to the vet i avoid all possible questions when it comes to food because i don't want to have to deal with them in some situations we've been abused to our faces yeah and said you know that dogs need to eat meat yeah to be healthy and here I am sitting with my dog. They did a health check and he's perfectly healthy. Yeah. So how is that not proof enough that he can be vegan and be healthy? Yeah. And again, it's like being a human. Yeah. You can be a junk food vegan, you know, like anyone can yeah. feed their dogs rubbish food that's vegan like if you do your research properly and you find the right food for your dog and they get all of the nutrients and everything that they need they can be a thriving vegan dog it's very different i think the the pressure of the vegan stigmatism is far more apparent when it comes to judging people who are responsible for other beings right so this is parents with young children mm. or people with pets yeah you know th- th- there's far more judgment around oh well okay you've made that decision for yourself yeah but you're responsible for xyz you know yeah. all these other people um, or animals and that's not right but and- i find it funny when it's like but you've also made that decision for them as well to feed them what you're feeding them yeah you know what i mean they haven't made up their own mind as to whether or not they choose to eat meat, dairy or eggs because they are too young to probably understand or you don't want to open their eyes to the suffering that happens in the animal industry. Yep. But let's not go down that path. Yep. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I don't get upset if Chewy finds a bone and nibbles on it. Yeah. I don't have an issue with that. I don't feel uncomfortable him doing that because we haven't contributed to animal suffering directly by you know feeding him food so one last point that i wanted to make on this particular point (laughs) a point within a point (laughs) point with a sub point is that 
you might be more of an introverted or shy person and going out and ordering vegan food in a non-vegan restaurant or cafe or takeaway place makes you really uncomfortable because you don't want to be difficult. You don't want to cause uh, a scene. An inconvenience. Yeah, and, yep. you, and you don't want to seem like you are like the staff member. And again, depending on who the waiter is, you might get someone that just almost makes you feel like, oh, you're making their life difficult for them to have to keep going back and forth to the kitchen. Like there's been many times where I'm like, I'm so sorry, but can you check this? And most of the time they're super, super nice about it. There's no problem, but you do get that odd one where it's like, you can feel that you're being a pain to them, yeah. but they're trying not to show it. Yeah. But see, for me, I don't care. I yeah. won't budge on my values when it comes to that sort of thing. But I can see someone that's a bit shy and reserved and doesn't want to inconvenience anyone. I normally am like that. But when it comes to veganism, there's no question about it. Right. So you can cause a really big inconvenience and it depends on who you get as a waiter, whether or not they'll be flexible for you or not. Mm. So again, it also comes down to your personality and how comfortable you are to stand your ground and to ask questions to be able to eat what you feel confident and comfortable eating. Yeah. And look, that could be a real pivotal moment being in that situation where you anticipate you're going to be causing an inconvenience by your veganism. Hmm. And I can imagine a lot of people at this point, again, might just say it's too hard. Let's just, Hmm. let me just be accommodating here. Yeah. Or I've heard as well, you know, you're in a really important business meeting with like some sort of uh, or like you're you're meeting you're going out to dinner with some sort of stakeholder that can really influence the future of your career right mm. and they're like have a drink of wine or have this cheese and yeah and and cracker yeah let's just like and you're trying to flow and build rapport with them and you're like oh actually actually i'm vegan i can't you know oh okay and that can change the the whole mood and dynamic of the conversation and the interaction so i know people felt pressure at a professional level Mm, causing inconvenience to get in the way for their career development as well and like because food is such a an important part of life and it's like it's constant Mm. so you'll be met with so many different interactions on a daily basis where you might need to make these decisions unless you always bring your food out with you. You know, if you pack it to work, to school and all of these scenarios or even just to go out and about somewhere, you're not having the same experience if you feel like you can't interact with the outside world. Yeah. And if they don't have anything vegan, then taking that next step and saying, well, can you make something off menu for me? Again, someone that's shy would just starve (laughs) rather than request that. Yeah. So I guess on, you know, this whole bullying and being different and wanting to not associate yourself with veganism because that can cause a whole lot of issues for you in your life. Yep. There was a, a study done using college students. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So... To test this theory about like the hypothesis of the vegan stigma, what they did is they had a study, which we'll link to in the show notes as well, but 
they took some focus groups, five different focus groups on a college campus. And they had a mix of vegans, vegetarians, omnivores, right? And one group consisted of a mix of all of those type of um, dietary requirements. And the findings were quite interesting to see what the perception was of each other's lifestyles and, the, and those choices that they were making. So, for example, um, the study concluded that vegetarians and omnivores generally had a negative perception of veganism and vegans in general. That's interesting, even vegetarians. Yes, correct. So, describing them with terms of... Okay, so the vegetarians and omnivores would describe vegans in terms using things like pretentious to aggressive, right? Some of the things that we've already talked about. And vegans would also validate (laughs) uh, in this focus group that they are perceived this way. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you had the non-vegans have a perception of vegans being pretentious to aggressive and vegans validate that that's what they feel Mm. towards um, from from the non-vegan community. And uh, this is a quick side note, but I remember reading another uh, bit of research showing that vegetarians are even sometimes more intimidated by vegans and the terminology of veganism than omnivores. Probably because because it's like you're pretty much there and then they get more annoyed by the fact that, well, why can't you just cut out eggs and dairy? So vegans are more aggressive, as it turns out generally to vegetarians than mm. to omnivores mm. because of the perceived hypocritical nature. Yeah. So there's actually a bit of a well, social... You've, you've written a post about written, this. <laughs> I have written a post about this. But there's actually seems to be some growing tension between a vegan and vegetarian com- mm. community. Which is really interesting because at the end of the day, they are still saving animals' lives. Yeah. But not, you know, like there's certain standards that it's like, well... You're almost there. Why don't you just cut well, everything out? Now, don't be a pretentious vegan, though, Marsha. No, I'm just saying that that's <laughs> what they're thinking. I know, I know. But that's that's what's causing a lot of friction. Um, the other, the, the survey also found that non-vegans avoided being associated with vegans by distancing themselves physically or, or avoding vegans um, altogether. Right, so, so again, this is that whole bullying or yeah. like not even bullying, but isolating yourself, not saying anything can be just as detrimental and just as bad because they can sense that they feel like they're not wanted and that they don't belong because of their values. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, you were talking a little bit earlier about sort of a high school environment this focus group was around college students. Yeah. And what's interesting is that you would think that particular demographic is what, from what I've read in the past, are the ones who are most open to a vegan lifestyle and open to have, like they're they're the group, the demographic that has the most vegan friends and things of that nature, yet there's still this resistance within that age group. That's interesting because I would have thought that it would have been from like, university onwards rather than well what's that's that's what i mean ah so it's college yep our call as in like american college Ah, okay correct i see what you mean yep yeah see i would have thought the same like the younger that the kids got it would have been more in your face 
Yes. Whereas the older you get, it's less obvious and more open-minded. You would think. Yeah. But yeah, according to this focus group, it was it was still pretty. Um, when was this done? I think this was done in two thousand nineteen. Oh, so last year. Yeah. Oh, so it's very. Yeah, recent. I mean, it's a small sample size, but it's still pretty interesting to see how they these groups perceive each other. Mm. So uh, even at that sort of tertiary level age group, you know, out of high school into university, very much experiencing this this stigma mm. of veganism. It's very mm. real. One point that we forgot to mention that I just realized was this whole sense of veganism equals unhealthy or veganism can make people point the finger as to why you have health issues. So, for instance, you might not want to call yourself vegan because if you get the flu or if you have a low immune system oh, or yeah. if you have yeah. yeah health problems of any yeah. sort, people will automatically say, oh, well, it's because you're vegan. Yeah, yeah. And I've had those looks before, particularly from doctors, because I have low iron. Yeah. But I've always had low iron, even before I became vegan. Yep. So it's interesting how that automatically is called out when in many cases it's not even due to the fact. But then ironically, if you're incredibly healthy or you're physically performing well, we've also seen the other extreme. Yeah. Where people are wanting them, wanting to people to ask them questions about, oh my God, you're so fit. What, what do you do? Oh, I'm yeah, vegan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all because I'm vegan, you know? And yeah. so it, it's interesting that... Uh, it, it can, it's used both ways. Mm-mm. It's like it's used by vegans to further the cause. Yeah. To show that, um, you know, it, it can be positive. Mm. And then you've got non-vegans waiting for you to... to like sniffle. Yeah, to, to <laughs> drop the ball or, or not appear as indestructible mm. as you should mm. to point the finger at you. So, yeah. yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I can, I can see that being a barrier to people sort of owning that identity of a vegan to avoid the, those confrontational situations. Yeah. So how do you start feeling comfortable calling yourself a vegan? Yeah, because obviously up until this point, we've talked about all the reasons why it, it creates discomfort. Yeah. So Why it might be a barrier. Yeah. Um. I think I think the first thing, and and this is something that's been true for me anyway, is to definitely be aware of how you come across in interactions. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, can you catch yourself if you are being self righteous, or you're being arrogant, um, or you're thinking that you're better than somebody else because you are vegan and they're not? Like they're stupid. You know what I mean? Oh, you're mm. stupid because you're not vegan, or you don't understand it. You're stupid. Like. Are, are you bragging about the cause or are you being humble about it? Are you asking more questions than you are just talking? Like these are awesome things to think about. And I think it's when you rush into interactions or you are feeling pressure, social anxiety, um, that can cause you to say a lot of reactionary things for the interaction. And then you might walk away... Um, let's say, for example, somebody's just challenging you. Mm. 
about why you're vegan. You know, like the, the same old arguments here. Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your iron? Where do you get your um, your calcium? But plants feel pain too. You know, you're killing insects with avocado crop. Like all the things that you normally hear. And let's say you can't answer those questions or you, you're under pressure to answer those questions. Or it makes you feel frustrated and you get defensive yourself. Mm. Then you walk away from an interaction feeling like, you why did I even say? Why did I even open it up? I, I you know, I didn't, um, like, I didn't do justice to veganism, or I mm. feel bad, or am I stupid for doing this, or all this self doubt that comes from that interaction. So I think it really helps to think about your interactions in advance. Just generally, it's not like you need to go role play in a mirror or something like that. But what I mean by that is, first, it's being really humble, and secondly, I just I think it's just about keeping things really simple. And it's about being as non-judgmental as possible. And I think there's only this answering questions people might have and just bring it back to sort of why you've made the decision. Um, obviously, if you're more conf- confident and comfortable, you know, having those higher level discussions, feel free to do so. But I think initially, if you have social anxiety, I think keeping things simple and positive and humble is going to be key to those interactions. Yeah. Yeah, because as soon as you come across as self-righteous and you also don't know what you're really talking about, Mm. that's like a recipe for a bit of social disaster. Yeah. And then obviously with more time and practice, you will feel more comfortable and confident calling yourself a vegan. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads us to the next sort of point is to try and refrain from judging non-vegans. Yeah. Again, it's that whole being aware of the conversation of how you're coming across to the other person and this will only encourage them in not judging you back yes if you're not being judgmental of them that's not what you're going to get back it's like you're you're sort of sort of putting a mirror out there yes to yourself yeah acceptance like you you know because that's the opposite right is how do you how do you proactively show Mm. acceptance Mm. How do you how do you make somebody feel comfortable regardless of what decision they've made mm. as quickly as possible, and and the, that's not easy sometimes it's, it's not as easy. well, especially at the beginning of your journey when you're a little bit more riled up about it. And I think it's it's easier. I think when we think about these situations, we often visualize an interaction between two people who don't know each other. Yeah. But actually, a lot of this tension comes from interactions with people you know really well. Yeah. Friends and family. Yeah. And I think that's where the judgment. It's hard to fight off. Yeah, I mean, I've been guilty of judging others. Not to their... Like, I don't say anything, but... Uh, In your face. <laughs> but particularly with those who... Those people who are quite... Um, consider themselves to be, like, really compassionate and care about so many different rights. Mm. But then... Oh, I've heard this. <laughs> yeah, and then... Like, getting this so frustrated. Mm. Like, billions of animals of wildlife have died in these Australian fires. Yeah. Like, as they're eating a piece of fish or steak or... Like, that stuff is hard to not kind of judge. Mm. Um, when it's just like... You've seen their emotion. Like, it's like such real emotion. They're there with you. Yeah. But they're, they're not. <laughs> so, I, I, I get it. I get it. So... But I think it's actually really important to just realize that the intent, the intent is actually really positive. Mm. And the fact that people are choosing to care 
about any animal suffering is actually a really positive thing. Yeah. Um, regardless of those day-to-day behaviors and actions, I think there's a skill in being able to separate that. And then also being able to separate that and be like, look, this is your friend, this is your brother, sister, mom, dad, husband, wife, whatever. That these are people that you love, you know what I mean? So it's that the, needs to come first before the And it's the, the conditioning. The like yeah. if you remind yourself that it's the conditioning from the day that we're born... That yeah. you eat these animals and these ones you looked up, you look after. Yeah. Then you will understand. And again, it might not be how you were. Like most yeah. of us weren't born vegan. So we used to, you know, you'd have pets or you'd see wildlife and you'd cringe every time you'd drive past a dead animal on the street. Yeah. But yet you're driving with dead animals in your car on the way home. Yeah. You know, so... It's just kind of being compassionate and understanding towards those people as well. For sure. Again, as you said, they are saving animals' lives and being compassionate to a degree as well. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's worth celebrating. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and I think it's just reframing that in your mind. Like, I think that's where there's a lot of tension between vegan and non-vegan communities is everyone's trying to catch each other out in hypocrisy, mm. right? And it's... It's like, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just removing that and just looking at that intent on face value and accepting that is mm. this key. Mm. Um, the other point I just wanted to make is like, try to find examples of just normal vegans, like just normal people, mm. right? In terms of removing that idea of what a vegan looks like or what they talk like and, and what they do is go out and, and try and, and find people who are vegans who are maybe similar to you and in, in your outlook of life outside of veganism yeah yeah just their temperament and um and how they hold themselves and i think obviously that's going to come with putting yourself out there or online or in person or it could just be you know listening to podcasts or consuming content where you can relate with the people that you're consuming content from Mm. Um, to make you feel like, oh, this is like normal. Mm. You know, this doesn't have to be some super different thing. Yeah. It's really normal to just not consume animal products. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So um, I think that's definitely going to be key to removing that stigma for calling yourself vegan. Mm, definitely. So I guess the last point that we wanted to make was for the fact that we are aware that probably a lot of our audience are non-vegans and what does that mean? Yeah. With this stigma, because yeah. I think for all, all of us to sort of operate in, in a level of comfort about this label, I think, you know, there's definitely some things that the vegans or aspiring vegans need to be aware of mm. to make themselves more comfortable without transition. But I also think that, if you're not vegan and you're listening to this, it's going to be really helpful if, for example, you know, you can start to see some of the signs that vegans see, particularly when it comes to the media. So, for example, if you're seeing these militant vegans on interview shows and um, and you're seeing examples of how vegans are being portrayed that is extreme or angry or a nuisance... You know, it'd be really encouraging if you can um, maybe look beyond that for your perceptions and and know that there are definitely other types of vegans out there. Um, I think that would be really helpful from a empathy and an acceptance standpoint when you do 
then interact with somebody who's vegan or someone in your family becomes vegan um, and you're able to help them on their journey to make them feel comfortable with that decision um, because you've removed that bias. Yeah. So uh, I think that's going to be key. I think another thing as well is um, I think it's really healthy to um, ask questions. You know what I mean? And I think I've interacted with uh, people who are not vegan and they find out that I'm vegan and I can see that they're hesitating. They're like... Mm. The whole well, demeanor changes. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay, I'm really... Like, I can see they're really curious and I want to ask something, but they're like, oh, I don't want to make feel uncomfortable. I think... But they're also not sure, like, what can be considered rude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that asking questions and having positive debates, I think the key word is positive, is mm. really healthy. Yeah. Because that's how we expand each other's perspectives. Yeah. Vegans can learn from non-vegans. Non-vegans can learn from vegans. Yeah. That's human growth and development 101 so i think um just wrapping that in positivity uh and genuine curiosity rather than interrogation and justification Mm. or asking questions only so you can say something rather than listening yeah yeah, um it's like you're almost asking them questions because you know the answers that they're going to give you so that you can okay yep they've made that point now i can attack yeah you know like of I've asked them so that I can position this so yes. that I can dig into them. Yes, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a big thing if you're not vegan. Uh, last couple points is catch yourself. Catch yourself if you're feeling defensive around a vegan, because that is really interesting. When I wasn't vegan, and I heard of vegans or whatever, I didn't feel defensive at all. Mm. I, I couldn't care less. I'm like, okay, like vegan, that sounds crazy. Um, And they can just do, okay, that's fine. You do you, I do me. And that's, that's that. Yeah. But I feel like if I was a bit more connected or aware of the impact of my habits um, and I consider myself to be more ethical and compassionate or whatever word you want to use, I'm more likely to be defensive in that context. Yeah, and it's interesting, like... Do you go on a man? Yeah, Like, yeah. if you're a bit more further along, you're likely to be more defensive. And I think that's actually a really clear signal that, like, you need to listen to yourself. Why are you feeling really defensive? Because mm. I know people who just don't care. Like, they don't feel defensive at all. They're like, okay, cool. Mm. You're vegan. Next. Um, and... Again, if, it comes down to the individual. It does. But I remember, like, for me, it was... I respected vegans a lot right? because I thought that it was admirable what they were doing. But for me, it was like, well, I just, I almost felt that I needed to justify my actions as to why I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, because I had a lot of awareness, but it wasn't so black and white that it was like, no way yeah. am I eating animal products ever again. So again, you know, it comes down to, to you as an individual but being self-aware and how you react and respond is is really important yeah no if you're more sensitive than not um or you're more pragmatic and yeah just recognizing how you're likely to respond Mm. um and last point last point last point is to build uh, if you're not a vegan okay put it this way what am i trying to say i don't know what am i trying to say Okay, so you we've been to countryside Slovenia. Yeah. You've had a family friend who's never seen a black person before. <laughs> yeah. Right? 
Oh, she's so cute. Yeah. Yep. So she saw me. Yep. And almost fell over. Yeah. She's in her 90s. I was like some rare Pokemon. (laughs) Right? Now, if this older lady was to have spent most of her life around black people, would it have been a big deal? No. It would have just been like, yeah, nice to meet you, Michael. Correct. Not that she speaks English, but yeah. And no, I'm not claiming that she's racist. She was lovely. She's just never really... She's never actually seen a black person in real life before. She was... She was amazed. Yeah. I think she was, and she wanted a picture with you. And yeah. She was that, super cute. That's a great reaction. I mean, it could have been the other way. As but well. it also depends. Yeah. Like, it depends on the person. You yeah. could have easily taken offense. I could have taken offense. She could have been like offensive. Offensive. <laughs> yeah. Like, so there's all these things. Now, and I think it's the same with vegans. If there's so little vegans that represent the global population at the moment, mm. they are pretty rare. Yeah. And I think as a non-vegan, it's important to mix and mingle with the vegan community so it becomes more normal. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, you're a vegan. I don't know what to say. I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Or what, what, like, yeah. are they judging me? Am I judging them? Yeah. It's like if the more vegans you know and you interact with, the more comfortable you're going to be, the more comfortable vegans are going to be. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. That's all I've got. Uh, <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> All right. Now, that's a good point to wrap it up on. Um, I think, honestly, it just comes down to self-awareness and being comfortable and confident in what you stand for Yeah. at the end of the day. So, cool. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We hope that, vegan or not, that you got something out of this and that you can take something away. And if you have anything to add feel free to drop us a line on social or in the comments for this podcast episode or shoot us an email. Michael will do all of this after. Um, But yeah, we hope you have a lovely week and we'll see you. We won't see you, but uh, you'll hear from us again next week. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Episode 48 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast almost a 50 which is really exciting but uh did you enjoy it are you comfortable calling yourself a vegan now or if you're not vegan are you more comfortable and or accepting of the brand of veganism that's our hope that's our hope of this conversation that we can start to remove that stigma vegan becomes something that's incredibly normal in our culture And if you choose to live this lifestyle, you can do so with relative comfort. And if you choose not to live that lifestyle, you can do so without feeling judged by vegans as well. If you wanted to read up on some of the things that we mentioned in this episode, uh, like, for example, that focus group and that college survey, uh, you can find all the links over at our show notes, which is at theminimalistvegan.com slash 048. Theminimalistvegan.com slash 048. All right, I think that's all I've got. I mean, uh, just the usual, please uh, take your time to leave a review or subscribe. I realize that we never ask people to subscribe if you haven't already. So you automatically get notified uh, when we release a new episode. Anyway, thank you so much for your support and for paying attention to our show. There's so many other things you could be doing. So we appreciate your time. Here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Chat to you next week. Peace.